Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Welcome in to another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Hey, how are you? I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. We're going to talk a lot about the Steelers because that's what we do here on Fourth Down in the Steel City. And before we tell you exactly what we got planned, although it's kind of sticking to our usual weekly schedule of what we've been doing here on Fourth Down in the Steel City, have to remind you of how you can get the podcast, and there are a lot of different ways. Obviously, you can watch it on YouTube, which you may be doing right now, and we send a special hello to you right now. For those of you only listening, you can't see it. Sorry, got to go to YouTube and check it out for yourself on the 93.7 The Fan Channel. And tap that little bell down there to get notifications as soon as new videos are available. We also, of course, do it the standard way. You want the audio? You go to wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course, iTunes, and our favorite way, your free Odyssey app, which you can download today if you haven't yet in the iTunes store, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and take us with you wherever you are going. With all of that said, Mr. Taylor... We are going to build the game plan today. Brought to you by your sponsorship here. Building, contractor, home improvement, whatever company. Building the game plan with you. It's it's just right here. Look, we've got all this space above our heads on the YouTube page. We could put a big banner even if you wanted to. Um, Josh, <laughs> let's let's start with... Um, it, it's, it's the YouTube hard. folks are loving this right now. Uh, right now, yeah. we're It's all about them right now. Let's start with something that I kind of want to put a bow on before we dive headlong into Steelers, Texans, and strategy and things of that nature because it feeds into what they should be doing. And it it loops back on Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday and what Kenny Pickett had to say on Wednesday. And when you tie the two together, it's fairly obvious now that there are only certain instances where Kenny Pickett is allowed to check out of a play at the line of scrimmage and check in to something else. Not every play does that seem to be a possibility. Um, I expressed my frustration in yesterday's audio-only episode at this idea because, well, I I think a quarterback should be able to count humans, which I think is the basic level of proficiency here for Kenny Pickett. If he counts a certain number of humans in the immediate area in front of him, he should be allowed to check out of a certain play and check into a different one. But it seems that they're still not yet trusting him to do that, Josh, which brings me to the second part of this. Why don't they trust him? Is it because Kenny isn't ready for it? 
Or is it because, as I've had some people say to me on social media, Mike Tomlin and more so Matt Canada are just control freaks about their offense? And how do we get to a point, final part of this, how do we get to a point where he can be trusted to make the more of those adjustments? Because I think that could be one thing that's going to hold this offense back as we progress through the season. Can I address the second part first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, control freaks about their offense. First of all, folks, find me a football coach who, who isn't, isn't a control, a freak. control freak. <laughs> Find me one. And if you find me one, I'll find you a coach who hasn't been coaching that long. Okay? <laughs> stop with that. Like, just stop. Okay, let's start at the very beginning. I don't think this is a Kenny Pickett issue. Okay. Let me start there. I don't think it's a lack of trust in Kenny Pickett. I think it's a lack of trust in the guys around Kenny Pickett. Hmm. And, and let, let me break down why. Because yeah. let, let's think back here. There are some things that this offense in the first two weeks of the season just could not fundamentally do. When the play calls were coming down just in the more traditional sense. When they were being given to them in the huddle and they go out to the line of scrimmage and they line up and run them. And some of those things haven't been working. So now we're just going to assume this offense that can't do the basic things is going to now be expected on the fly yeah, to, adjust. to do it differently now and expect better results. Folks, do we Fair need point. to go over the definition of insanity? Do we need to rehash that? Or do we all know it by now? I, it's just, I, I don't expect this offense to sprint when it's still having the, the crawl to walk transition to go through over and over again. It's just, I don't think they're there yet. Just like I didn't think they were there last year. There were some things last season before the bye week this offense just could not do. And everybody's like, well, they need to do this. Folks, they're not doing the basic stuff right. And I, I mean, think it's a as, thing. I think it's an offense in general thing that they're trying to get everybody comfortable and on the same page. And Kenny Pickett talked about this. He said, look, if one of the 11 guys messes up the assignment, everything else falls apart. I think they need to trust all 11 guys not just the one guy calling the actual line at the, the place of the line of scrimmage to make it all work. That's, that's how I feel about it. That, that's a good call. And I mean, as the father of two young children, they're not even at the crawling to walking phase yet. They're still at the don't put that in your mouth phase. It feels right. Like. Put the, the put that down and stop <laughs> putting your st- stop trying to grab the dog's tail phase. Right. Like, that's your foot. Right that's your foot. Your your own foot you're chewing on right now. Stop right. that. Yeah. That, no, I, I literally I had you. that conversation with my daughter like two nights ago. <laughs> It's really bad particular situations. But no, it, it speaks to a larger point because there's all these people that have to put everything on the quarterback. And it's not about everything being on the quarterback. There are 10 other guys on the field, folks, and they all have jobs to do. Like we, when, when things go right, oh, the quarterback's great. When things go wrong, oh, the quarterback's terrible. Folks, mm-hmm. you got at least five guys who have to block for him. And sometimes all five guys are not doing that. Actually, more often than not, that's the case. So you you have to be more realistic about what we're looking at with this offense here. We know there's still issues in the run game. We still, we know there's still issues in pass protection. And we also know there's still issues with some of the skill position guys and what they're able to do. One of your tight ends might not be that great at blocking. One of your running backs may not be that great as far as your blocking scheme is concerned with your offensive linemen. They Mm -hmm. got other kinks. They got to work out first before we can start figuring out what they can do on the fly. That's all I'm saying. 
So do you feel good then about their ability? Because I, I do worry, and look, it's just shifting the blame, I guess, to a different spot then in, in my perspective. Uh, I, I don't feel good about their ability to walk to the line of scrimmage, see the defense telegraphing exactly what they're doing and getting out of that play that they're in that they know is going to get bottled up. To your point, it may be the offensive line, right? It may be a back picking up a blitzer. Um, to, to some people's point, it might be the quarterback. To other people's point, it may be the OC. Whatever it is. It could be all of the above, honestly. That's yeah. kind of where I am. So so I, I just – I do. I question if they're – if the offense as a whole is ready to, you know, when you walk to the line and see something presented to you, make the change that needs to be that needs to happen and if they're not and that seems to be the case that Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday you know sometimes they he even said sometimes we we just run the play that we're going to run um to paraphrase what he said then they're going to continue to face issues in adjusting to what defenses are presenting which brings us to this week and what the Houston Texans may present to the Steelers offense um we talked the other day about Mike Tomlin fairly gushing over Will Anderson. Will Anderson could have a huge impact in this game. Um, the rest of their defense, you look up and down the names, there's not a lot that necessarily scares you. I know Steven Nelson tweeted uh, a week ago that he was fired up for this one to try and show Mike T or try and prove Mike T wrong or ask him mm. what he was thinking. Yeah, uh, that's, that's exactly my reaction as well. Mm, mm, mm. But Steven, when I, we remember your time as a Steeler. How fired up can you really be? You know what, though? Outside of, say, Will Anderson Jr. and um, Blake Cashman, I mean, Steven Nelson's probably the best thing they got going on that side of the ball. Um, their defense is, is not great shakes. So if the Steelers' offense is ever going to get untracked here, Josh, this may be a good week to make it happen. Because there's an opportunity to run against this interior defensive line, I believe. Uh, there's an opportunity to maybe get out on the edge, I think, with some of those zone-blocking schemes that haven't worked so well. Although Mike Tomlin kind of indicated that quality edge rushers can keep them from being effective in that regard. Um, and, and I also think there's a question about whether their corners can hang with Steeler receivers. In particular, I'm going to look to get George Pickens with Steven Nelson on him every single time. And if somebody, and if that's the best option, imagine what we can do when it's somebody else, when it's, you know, Shaq Griffin, or I, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunities in the air in this game. I, I wouldn't mind having opportunities to try to get a guy like Calvin Austin matchup against one of these corners. I mm -hmm. think that's an opportunity for that. Now I thought Doran Dickerson pointed this out really well. It might've been yesterday on the fan morning show. He mentioned it. He said, look, if I'm a defensive coordinator facing the Steelers in that right now, I'm more worried about 19 than I am about 14. Because you know that 14 can beat you by mm. taking the top off, but 14 can also beat you short. 19 True. can also take the top off the defense. And now you got to deal with 19 taking the top off and 14 beating you short. And, oh, yeah, 88 can beat you in the middle of the field too. But right. Calvin Austin doing what he's done now, but what he did both, I'll, I'll go back and say it. He did it in the preseason against Tampa. But then he also went and did it last week against Vegas. So now it, it's out there. We know what Calvin Austin could do because it's on tape. So you have to deal with that and having that opportunity to match him up against one of these corners, I think it's important. But cycling back around to the, the run game as we're talking about, there's two guys in particular, maybe three, that I'm worried about. One is Shelton Rankins in the middle, the defensive tackle. 
not necessarily an easy guy to move, and you, you still have to keep an eye on where he is. Number two is Denzel Perryman, the inside linebacker, uh, yep. assuming that he plays. I know he was on the injury report, but I'm expecting him to play. Same thing with Jimmy Ward, another guy who I believe was on the injury report. He was limited this week, but I think I, he's expecting to play as well. So I expect these three guys to be the focal point of what they do in the run game. Rakins because he works in the middle. Perriman because he can move around and make plays and try to clog up a hole here and there. And Jimmy Ward because I'm going to remind you of two things. One, a lot of defenses like to do the same thing with the Steelers and put that strong safety down in the box. Yep. Two, Jimmy Ward came from the same place that Houston's new head coach came from. Both he and D'Amico Ryans came from San Francisco. Yeah. If you don't think D'Amico Ryans brought some of that San Francisco ethos and in, in, in defensive scheme with him, then you're not paying attention. And I expect that to be a factor too. So those are the three guys I'm looking at. So, and those are all important names. Here's something to think about that loops back on the conversation we started today's episode with that factors in exactly what you're talking about here with D'Amico Ryans is I have a feeling, look, everybody on the South side is preparing for some 49ers type looks, right? It, yeah. Preparing for the Texans to maybe build off of the tape from week one because of D'Amico As Ryans because of Bobby Slowick, because of the similarities in systems. Now, there's obviously a personnel difference, a big yes. personnel disparity, in fact. We could call it, I think, on both sides of the ball, from the Niners to the Texans. But that aside, I think it's almost like it's an, I don't want to call it a do-over opportunity, but imagine if the Texans got a chance to watch their own game film from a Steelers game and then build off of it. So I guess the point I'm trying to get to here is if D'Amico Ryans knows exactly how to show one thing that he probably has a pretty good idea the Steelers have been planning for all week because it comes from his past in San Francisco and some things that worked in week one, but perhaps bring a completely different thing post-snap. I This is the other thing I'm worried about here and why I worry about Pickett and how much he can adjust and forget just adjusting pre-snap, but his processing post-snap has left a lot to be desired as well, bailing on pockets, uh, high throws, inaccurate throws. I have a feeling that D'Amico Ryan's going to do everything he can to disguise things at the line, and then regardless of whether the Steelers decide to change up or not, check out at the line, he's going to give them something completely different once the ball snaps. But that's what you anticipate. And we talked about this before the season starts. I've been saying this for a while now. If you're going to be a good defense in the modern game of football, you better be able to do three things, particularly. And Houston really needs to do two of them. Granted, the one obvious thing is be able to get to the quarterback. And we know the Steelers defense can do that. The other two things, win one-on-one matchups, which I don't think they can do up and down the depth chart like San Francisco could. And the other thing is, you just mentioned it, be good pre-snap and be able to confuse quarterbacks or get them to think that something else is coming. And that might be the way you beat the Steelers. But here's the thing, and and this is where pre-snap on defense even helps. Even if a quarterback makes a check at the line, you still might show them a look quarterback makes a check, and then it ends up being something else altogether. Right. So it, it, it still may be the chess match in and of itself. Here's where Matt Canada's game plan last week comes into play. Remember what the criticism was going into the game against Vegas. They looked too predictable in some of the sets they were in. If they were in shotgun, they were probably going to pass. If they were under center, they were probably going to run. So what did they do? They mixed that up. When they were under center, they ran a little bit more play action. They ran out of the shotgun. They weren't as predictable as far as what they lined up and did. 
this is the week where you continue to expand on that. I don't mind the thought of trying to add more to the offense where you're talking about checks at the line, but I think you got to get from one place to the next. I think they got to get from being a little bit more, or I should say a little bit more, you know, diversified in what they do out of certain right. set to where they're getting comfortable with that. And then they can say, okay, let's go from this to this because it fits everything we have. I don't know if they have all the ingredients in the, in the, in the cabinet, so to speak, to right. do that. But it is important to where if you're able to do what you did last week, where just not look as bland and not look as predictable and not look as easy to e- expect different things like you were against Vegas, mm-hmm. that helps you out because now it renders that film you're talking about it renders it moot because you're getting different looks at things you may not have seen before. You know, it's almost as if we've talked about the structure of their schedule this year and how it looks. Um, It's almost as if, if they can just get through. And I I know last week we talked about just getting to the bye week on a positive note, a positive record. But if they can, when you look at your schedule and the opponents are the Niners, um, two divisional opponents um, and D'Amico Ryan's, (laughs) <laughs> Even if it's Josh McDaniels thrown into the mix somewhere there as well. Um, it's it's a lot to have to coach against when you're also trying to get your own guys up to speed. So this is, I, in my opinion, as I look at it now, probably one of the worst mixes of, of teams they're facing the first few weeks for a team that's trying to establish things, right? We talk about Canada wanting to establish things early in games so he can build off of it later. They're mm-hmm. trying to establish some things early in this season so they can build off of it later. Uh, it's, if they could have had, it would have been nice if they could have had like the Cardinals, the Colts, you know, the Packers, the Titans in the mix the first few weeks, the Jaguars, rather than what they've had these first few weeks, which has been, no, we're going to, tr- we're going to try and confuse you as much as possible while you're still trying to get your sea legs under you. This is why I was nervous about a couple particular games on the schedule. When the, the, the day the schedule came out, I hosted that night for Paul Zeiss on 93.7 The Fan. And I said, one of the games that worried me was against Houston. Because of who their coach was, because, mm-hmm. they, what they, because of what they were doing in free agency, and because of how they were reshaping that identity of that roster and what they were potentially doing. This is why this bothered me. Plus, they're on the road. It's a game they're probably expected to win. People like to call that, oh, that's the Mike Tomlin special. Loses a game where he's a favorite on the road. We love to do that against an opponent that has a a record of such and such. We love to bring that stuff up. But that's why this bothered me. Not necessarily because of all those elements, but because of what you just mentioned. You got a coach that really, really wants to reshape how this defense is played. And what better way to do that is take what he just brought from the best defense in the land that he was a coordinator for last year and bring it here and try to reshape it. And, oh, yeah, let's also draft the best uh, edge rusher in the draft while we're at it with the yeah. top five pick while drafting arguably one of the best quarterbacks that was around with the first five with the top five picks. So let's do that and shape that all together, too. So it does create that conundrum you're talking about of man, you kind of wish you had a little bit of an ease there with coaching, but this is a game where you hope the players on the field, because your roster, if you're the Steelers, your roster is still better. One to 53. So you got to lean on it a little bit more. Yeah. And this is when we look at the offensive side of the game plan, this is one of those games where I'm okay. It's almost the, the classic example of it. I think is, I don't know if you remember the Titans game from 2020, 
that the Steelers won where Roethlisberger came out and just dinked and dunked his way down the field like five times. In the first I literally watched drive. that game, the condensed game, like two weeks ago. Okay, I literally so just watched that game through. That smells like the kind of game plan they need to start here down in Houston. Like, let Kenny get in a rhythm, hit Pickens, hit Austin, hit Fryermuth. Darnell Washington is a human who has hands and can catch footballs. Maybe try it and hit Jalen Warren out of the backfield. All this kind of stuff. Najee out of the backfield. A, a quick passing game to open up, give your your offense room to breathe, and then introduce the run. And again, like we've talked about all week, you don't need to establish the run first in order to run play action. So maybe an early play action boot, especially on an early down. That kind of stuff, I think, is the way to attack it early, to, to loosen up this Texans defense, keep D'Amico Ryans maybe on, on his toes a little bit here, and don't let him dictate terms to you as opposed to having terms dictated to your offense, as I think we still have continued to see even into that Raiders game, especially late in the Raiders game, John. This comes back to that conversation we had previously about how some coaches treat the first quarter and the first quarter, the fourth quarter the same. Mm -hmm. They say, hey, we have our script for things that we do here. And we have our script for things that, that we do here because specifically we're trying to figure out what we might be able to do that the defense may not see or try to put some things together that they may not be ready for in that particular moment. So it does kind of circle back to that because one of the plays that I thought was one of the best call plays of the game against Vegas was that third down conversion to Allen Robinson in the fourth yes. quarter. I thought that was one of the better decisions that Matt Canada made. You start looking at opportunities like that in maybe the first quarter, or you look at something similar to that in the first quarter, you get a coverage that you like, and you say, okay, this is where we want to do this here because you know you might see this or they might expect you to do this. And right. you come with something completely different out of that same formation. That's one of those opportunities to use that there. I, I completely agree with this. If you're going to start trying to get a little bit more, not even exotic, just saying, hey, look this way, but show you something completely over here. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to try it. Yeah, get yourself going early because, again, Mike Tomlin talked about it on Tuesday, how important it is to have a lead for this team because yes. they're not going to open things up. And based on what he said Tuesday, they won't be expected to open things up and start trying different things until they've got a lead. Hopefully, that's a little bit of foreshadowing by him, a little bit of cat and mouse that, no, we, in fact, will show you some different things in the first 10 to 15 plays in order to keep the Texans on their toes. That's one side of the ball. How about the other side of the ball? What do we expect from C.J. Stroud? AFC, or was it NFL, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Month in the month of September going up against the NFL's Defensive Player of the Month in T.J. Watt. This could be something to watch and why T.J. Watt may be licking his chops for this opportunity. We break it down from the other side of the ball as we continue building the game plan right here on 4th Down in the Steel City next.